So good morning, everyone, or I suppose, frankly, good afternoon or good evening, even depending on when you're tuning in. Hello and welcome back to CRCC Spotlights. This is our first episode after a bit of a break. Maybe even you can call it season two. Well, I'm not sure if that's official. I'm Tom Bowen. I'm a supervising associate and criminal investigations lawyer. And today we're going to be talking about the concept of and recent developments in corporate criminal liability and sentencing, specifically in the UK and Germany. I'm joined by Camilla De Silva, who's a crime partner in London and a former serious fraud office prosecutor, and Sasha Kuhn, a crime partner from our Düsseldorf office, and an expert on the upcoming German Corporate Sentencing Act. Hi, Camilla. Hi, Sasha. Hello. Hey. Yeah, thank Hi. you for joining me. So just by way of really brief introduction, by corporate criminal liability, what we mean as a concept is the ability for the law to hold corporations themselves liable for a criminal offence rather than the individuals operating within those companies than any real sense must have actually done the relevant criminal things. Such liability is increasingly common around the world and there is a long term enforcement upswing. It arises in a number of ways. Some national regimes rest on a concept of vicarious liability. Some, and this is the traditional approach in the UK, rests on attribution from the acts of a sufficiently senior employee. In the UK, we say the directing mind and will of the relevant company. In some jurisdictions and for some offences, and I think this is broadly where we're going to focus today, there is strict liability. So a company is automatically guilty for offences carried out by those persons that are associated with it, subject to their being relevant legal jurisdiction and any available defence. That's how Section 7 of the Bribery Act works in the UK. A company is guilty of failing to prevent bribery if a associated person bribes somebody and the company didn't have adequate procedures in place to prevent it. Now, where we're going to start is that Germany has historically been a little bit of an outlier in this, in that it hasn't had a specific concept of corporate criminal liability, but that is now changing. So, Sasha, to get us started, could you give us a summary of the new Corporate Sanctioning Act and tell us why it's important? Sure. Well, to, to start with, probably it's worth confirming what you just said, that indeed we had a long-going discussion um, on whether or not we really um, required corporate criminal liability in Germany. I remember I started working as a trainee um, at Simmons and Simmons in 2003, and I remember very clearly that back then we were discussing um, the, the imminent introduction of corporate criminal liability mm. in Germany. Okay. Um, so probably it's a telltale thing that now in 2021 we are again discussing the imminent introduction of um, corporate responsibility um, for criminal wrongdoing in Germany. And indeed, the, um, the lines along which the discussion um, went in Germany uh, was on a very um, fundamental distinction um, under German law between administrative offences on the one hand and criminal sanctions on the other hand. Um, now, a, a concept of administrative offences has always been there. And, and companies in Germany are very much accustomed to, to deal with these issues that arise um, under administrative offences liability. Um, however, there never was a concept of corporate criminal responsibility. And indeed, the discussion was on whether or not entities, corporate entities, legal entities, from an ontological perspective, and you see it, it's getting very dogmatic there, even are in a position to commit 
criminal offenses. Um, the result that we are now seeing with the bill, because an act, in fact, it is not yet an act, it's still a bill which is undergoing parliamentary discussion in Germany, um, is something between criminal liability and administrative offenses. The okay. idea um, of the new bill is that indeed where a criminal offense is committed from within a legal organization, so typically speaking, a private company, and a fine can be imposed on the legal entity. And it is defined as a so-called associate um, fine or company fine. Um, it can potentially be quite hefty, um, up to 10% of the annual turnover. Um, so very clearly we are seeing that the, the fining concept um, has been designed on the basis of what we already know in the context of competition law, on what we know mm. from the context of data protection law, so that yes. the same um, technique is to be applied. Um, and, and the other important thing is um, that there has been a discussion on whether or not one of the legal consequences of criminal wrongdoing should be indeed the dissolution of the legal entity. So you could say the death penalty for companies mm -hmm. that is off the table. Um, there is a very clear okay. political will now to not dissolve companies um, which have um, been been found liable. And maybe the third um, point to be mentioned is um, that there is the 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 plan to introduce. A, uh, a concept which is very similar to a certain extent to the monitorship concept, um, which at least global companies are uh, familiar with um, in the context of US law. And, and the idea there really is that where a criminal offense has been committed from within an organization, um, a, a monitor or a so-called expert uh, body is installed um, to overlook the the compliance work that obviously a company has to do um, if criminal offences have been committed from within the organisation. Okay, yeah, that makes sense, and it it aligns to a lot with what we see in the UK. I think I mean, I won't ask how long ago you were a trainee because that's probably rude. It's clearly been just <laughs> some time. Why do you think it's been introduced now? <laughs> Um, well, it, it, it's really, on the one hand, there was the clear understanding that we don't really need it because we do have administrative fines. And indeed, if you remember the big corruption scandals that we have seen in Germany some years ago, the Siemens case, the MAN case, um, administrative fines have been imposed, um, quite hefty administrative fines. So there was always the the... Um, the, the view that it wasn't really necessary to have criminal sanctions where at the end of the day, and to a certain extent, I can understand this view, for a company, it does not really matter whether the, the, the 200 millions that they are paying is under the concept of corporate criminal responsibility or any other concept. Um, the, the organizations tend to look at the money that they do have to pay. Um, on the other hand, there is a clear feeling that um, when we are talking about administrative fines, I mean, what, what's a typical administrative fine? If I go to the office by bicycle and I pass a red light on my way to the office, that would be the typical example of an administrative fine. So you can clearly say it's, it's a wrongdoing but it's a wrongdoing which does not really bear that kind of stigma that a criminal offense would bear. 
And there's a very clear feeling nowadays in Germany that it is not right to go after the individuals who have always been um, under the threat of criminal responsibility yeah. for the wrongdoing and just impose an administrative fine on the legal entity. Yeah, the moral culpability seems yeah. at least, yeah, seems to be different. So, I mean, moving to you, Camilla, how do you think that position in Germany, and we appreciate it's not final, but how do you think it compares to the position in the UK? Well, it'd be very interesting, as you say, Tom, to see how it actually pans out in practice once this bill is passed. Um, but in terms of corporate criminal liability, uh, as you touched on in your introduction, it, it's it's difficult to establish in the UK because of the identification principle um, and the, the need for a directing mind to be um, proved to have done the necessary acts with the necessary intent. And that's why um, within the UK, we um, had the Bribery Act introduced and the failure to prevent um, model, which took a new approach, which was to yeah. make a company criminally liable for a failure to prevent bribery by its associated pers persons uh, subject to um, a defence of adequate procedures. So that does appear on the face of it to me to contrast with um, the discussion we've been having so far in terms of the German bill, because that covers uh, the full range of economic crimes potentially, so not just uh, bribery. So I think that's an interesting contrast. And also, if I've if I've understood this cor correctly, it would look as though foreign companies uh, will only be targeted by uh, this law if uh, they are a registered entity or have a branch in Germany. So potentially more restrictive. Uh, than the reach of the UK Bribery Act or indeed the US um, Foreign Corruption Practices Act. So some really interesting differences there for, for corporates to to fully understand and um, work, work within. No, I mean, that is interesting. And one of the things that strikes me, it would just be good to be clear with you, Sasha, in the UK, when we are talking about the Bribery Act, Section 7, failure to prevent, there is a defence. If you have put in place proper procedures, they're adequate to prevent that bribery. And that's a very nebulous concept. It's very difficult to define. But if you do achieve that, then you have a defense to this offense. Is that the case, Sasha, in, in Germany? Well, th there will be a defense system or also a bonus malus system, which basically means that, for example, if a fine which could be imposed in theory um, will be drastically reduced um, if the corporation does cooperate with the um, investigating body, so with the public prosecutor, um, including, for example, um, the provision of all documents to the authority. Now, that, that is one of the points which is currently being discussed. Um, and okay. in, in, indeed, one might wonder whether that is really the right approach. If, if I'm personally under criminal investigation, I have a right to remain silent. I am no under no obligation to provide documents um, to the authorities. And indeed, of course, if I do confess, um, then this will be taken positively into account when um, uh, deciding on uh, the criminal sanction against me as an individual. However, there is the fear that with that bonus matter system, 
um, companies will not really have the choice whether or not to cooperate with the authorities, but will de facto be under an obligation to cooperate with the authorities, so that any idea of a right, a corporate right to remain silent, for example, um, would, would be absurd. Yeah, if I, if I could just jump in, jump in there, mm -hmm. Sasha, I think that's a really interesting contrast to the position in the UK, um, because the SFO um, uh, have recently put out uh, formal guidance on their expectations of cooperation from corporates um, if there is the desire to have a deferred prosecution agreement at the end of uh, an investigation by the SFO into a corporate. Um, but that is guidance in terms of the SFO's expectation. But my understanding here in terms of more generally how corporates should go about their internal investigations, that that, that, that will be contained within this bill. And I think that's a really inter interesting contrast uh, in, in approaches because um, within the uh, dynamic of engagement with the SFO, there is potentially more flexibility in how you deal with the SFO. The SFO, for example, has very much softened its position on um, investigations uh, in terms of interviews that are conducted by corporates. So there was certainly a position which was do not trample on the crime scene, so do not speak to uh, any individuals until you know, we, the SFO, are comfortable with that. I think there's been a, a much more sensible approach now being adopted and an understanding that a corporate needs to have some notion of where the data is held, what potentially the wrongdoing is before um, there is that engagement with the SFO if there is a voluntary self-report. So I think, again, that's a really interesting um, differential there, potentially. Yeah, I think there's some really interesting issues around that and probably ones which are more amenable to a much longer forum than a short <laughs> 10 to 15 minute podcast. Um, I mean, we try to keep these on the short side for you and relatively punchy, so I'll wrap it up soon. But I do think there is one very important and practical question that we should probably ask to both Camilla and Sasha just to leave you with. In general, what do we think these sorts of new models of liability, both in Germany and one thing we haven't mentioned, it maybe it's a subject for a future podcast, is that there are quite long gestating uh, plans in the UK to potentially have a broader failure to prevent offence applying to economic crime generally, which seems to be uh, somewhat aligned with the approach in Germany. But what do you think that these new models of liability, what impact do you think they will have on businesses that are operating in Germany or, or more generally? I mean, on the one hand, one might say it probably will not have that much of an impact on how companies are running their internal plans because at least it should not because even under the current system um, so the administrative fining um, plus individual uh, criminal liability system that we are having in Germany today um, companies must have a, a well-functioning compliance system okay. um, if they do have such a system that not only will help them to prevent criminal offences, but it will also be taken into consideration in the fining process. Um, on, on the other hand, one of the, and that's a very technical point, um, one of the big challenges and indeed one of the points of criticism against the bill is under the German uh, principle, legal principle, so-called principle of legality, public prosecutors must initiate an investigation if there is a suspicion of such wrongdoing. Okay. So they do 
not have the discretion to to initiate or not initiate the investigation. So if, if that is um, the, the case when we're talking about corporate liability, um, it is very clear to see that in the future, the public prosecutors um, will have a very well, a very much bigger caseload than they are dealing with today. Um, it is not expected that the number of public prosecutors will um, be augmented tremendously in Germany. So it will mean that proceedings which are already quite slow in Germany, um, for whatever reason, sometimes clients from abroad think that those proceedings in Germany go very, very um, quickly. That unfortunately is not the case. It's to be expected that the proceedings will take much longer. So that is something that companies must be prepared for. They must be aware of the fact that if there is such an investigation, it will be a long journey. And the other point is that they will have to very clearly from the outset think about the um, the interplay between the the internal investigation on the one hand and the defense of the legal entity on the other hand. So potentially more investigations, but taking longer in Germany. Yes. So, I mean, Camilla, unless there's anything you wanted to leave us with in particular, maybe that's a good time to wrap up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just think just that point about you know, the Bribery Act clearly seen as the gold standard for anti-corruption laws within the UK. So the failure to prevent model, clearly businesses did a lot of work um, when it came in to look at compliance policies and procedures, prepare, um, as Sasha's been outlining. But I think what, what we're left with is a question about the problem of individual accountability um, when there is the failure to prevent model. And I think it's interesting, therefore, that the Law Commission is looking more generally when it's looking at um, reform of corporate criminal liability to, across economic crimes as to whether it'll be the failure to prevent model that's recommended or another, because I think the jury is still if that's not too much of a pun, very much out in terms of uh, individual uh, culpability. Well, people have stuck with us for 15, 16 minutes, so it's probably good to leave them with a pun at the end to really <laughs> reward them for their commitment. Uh, so anyway, thank you to Camilla, thank you to Sasha, and thank you to all of you for tuning in. See you hopefully next week. Thanks, Bye. Tom. Bye now. Thank you. Bye-bye.